Well, I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the last text in the book. No, not the last text, but that was yesterday, I'm sorry, in the men's conference. Isaiah 44, how's that? Isaiah 44, verses 6 through 20. And in just a moment, I'm going to preach on the insanity of idolatry. It's amazing how language changes, is it not? How many of you are adept at pop culture lingo? Does anybody know some of the more modern words? Have you ever been around young people, I mean really young people, and people that are trying to be young, uh, when they greet one another with the new language, it's something like this. So, or what's up? Or yo. You know, when I was young, it was yo-yo, but it's just yo. And then there's this. What's up, dog? What's that? What's up with that? Yeah. I'm not trying to knock it. I just don't talk to people that way. And uh, I don't understand sometimes what they're trying to say. There's another phrase that people use nowadays, and they say, that's insane. But they don't mean that that's insane. They mean that's unbelievable. Now, maybe they mean it's ridiculous, but words can have many meanings. Insane can also mean that someone has lost his or her mental faculties. They've lost the ability to rationalize and to understand. The Bible talks about a specific kind of insanity, and it's called idolatry. Idolatry is worshiping anything or anyone other than Almighty God. And when you say, well, I don't do that, hold your horses. We all commit the sin of idolatry on a daily basis. We value things at a level that they don't deserve. We love things that we really ought not to love. And we hold on to things that we really ought not to hold on to as closely as we do. I want us to work through Isaiah 44, verses 6 through 20. And for the sake of time, I'll just walk through the text instead of reading it all and then walking through it. I want to share with you a few things about the insanity, the senselessness of idolatry. First thing is this, the sovereign above idolatry. There is a real God who is above every earthly idol. He is the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you read in verse 6, which we will in just a moment, Isaiah is explaining that God is sovereign. He reigns and He rules over everything, completely in charge of history. I've told you many times, one of the greatest things I ever heard about history is history is His 
story. It's all about Jesus, and he is above all idolatry. Verse 6, this is what the Lord says. Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord of heaven's armies, I am the first and the last. There is no other God. God came out of the gate and he said, I am the sovereign king and I am the saving king. I am the ruler and I am the redeemer. I am Israel's king. I have been their king all of the time that they, the 12 tribes of Israel were in existence, I am the king, and I am the redeemer. I am the one who will send the Christ, the Messiah, and he will die on the cross for your sins, and he will be raised from the dead to give you eternal life. And through his shed blood, you can be redeemed and forgiven. And then he says, I am the first, I'm the last. I'm the alpha, I'm the omega. I'm the A, I'm the Z. I'm the beginning. I was before the beginning. I'll be here at the end. And guess what? The end won't end it. I'm going to be all in all to everyone. I am the eternal living God. And there is no other God. He says in verse 7, who is like me? Now, only God can talk like this. And it'd be true, all right? Who is like me? Let him step forward, prove to you his power. Let him do as I have done since ancient times when I established a people and explained his future. Who's like me? Show up. Tell us who you are. Come out of hiding. Prove your power. Make something out of nothing, which is exactly what God did. God took nothing, made it into something, hung it on to nothing, and told it to stay there. That's what God did. Who else is like that? And then establish, create a people, and explain the people their future, like I've done for my people Israel. I've created Israel. I have ordered them. I've given them my orders. I am the unique, sovereign God. And his sovereignty also calmed his people. Verse 8, don't tremble. You know what, if you've got a God like that, you don't have to be afraid of anything, amen? Don't tremble. Don't be afraid. Now listen to me. 365 times it says don't be afraid in the Bible. One for every day. Don't be afraid. So if you're afraid, if you're afraid, not the fear of God, I'm not talking about that, or a healthy fear. I'm saying if you're living in fear, that's sin. That's sin. It's to be repented of. It's not just a sickness, it's a sin. You need to repent of it. Don't be afraid, don't. Did I not proclaim my purposes for you long ago? You are my witnesses, is there any other God? No, there is no other rock, not one. It's only one God. Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2.5, there is one God and there's only one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, and that's the man, Christ Jesus. The Lord is sovereign above idolatry. On 
Thursday mornings, our men of Memphis breakfast were studying a book by a man named Bob Sorge. It's called Secrets of the Secret Place. If you've never read it, it's about, it's a little over 20 years old. The book is, it's one of the finest books I've ever read. And one of the chapters, they're very short chapters, is about idolatry for American men. He said, this is what men struggle with. Now, some of the things I'm going to mention may shock you. So I'm not, I don't necessarily agree with everything he says. How many of you know that you don't have to agree with everything somebody says to read their book and still be able to get some gleanings out of it? Amen. You can still do that. All right. So if this hurts a little, hang on. These are some of the things men struggle with. In, in other words, here, here's what he's saying. These are things that people put their trust in without putting their trust in God. Now, hang on. Some of them you're not going to like, all right? Money, this one you're not going to like. Health insurance, even medical treatment. I'll explain that in a minute. Prescriptions, social security, which I said yesterday when I read this, is neither social nor secure. Retirement plans, IRAs, credit cards, loans, drugs, alcohol, pleasure, entertainment, recreation, sports, sex, social circles, friends, counselors, lawsuits, and bankruptcy. I know everybody in here that touched you. And none of these are bad in and of themselves. Most of them are not. Unless you depend only on them and not in God. Anything that takes the place of God in your life is an idol. You must seek God first. Before you trust your credit card, ask God to supply your need. That's what he's saying. He's not against medicine. He says so in the book. He said, but before you simply go take a pill, why don't you pray for God to heal you? Meager amens on that. Meager. Because we don't think that way. We think God helps those who help themselves. That's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. And before you sue someone, why don't you do what Jesus said and just forgive them and let them go free, even though they don't ask for it? And before you pop another pill, why don't you ask God? You know, we are the most medicated. We, we take more pills in America than any other nation in the world. Some of y'all are going to have to go take a pill for what I just said. Amen. I'm not saying any of these things are bad. Don't you go out of here and quote me, misquote me, all right? I'm not saying they're bad. I took medicine this morning, but I prayed this morning too to be healed. I believe that if somebody gets sick, here's how I pray for them. Here's how my doctor prays for people like that. Lord, heal them through miracle 
medicine or both. That's the way we are. But put the miracle first. Put the miracle first. Pray to God. Anything can become an idol. What idol do you struggle with? Politics? Some of you actually believe that politics are America's answer. Jesus is America's answer. Jesus. Is your family an idol to you? Do you let your children miss church on Wednesday night because of ball games? Do you skip church when you would not skip work because of the way you feel? What about money? Do you fuss about money with your spouse? Say, well, not in the last 10 minutes. That's because you've been in this room. And the only reason you didn't do this room is because we no longer pass the plate. What is your idol? Food, drink, work? Are you a workaholic? Color of skin? Is that an idol to you? God's over everything. He's sovereign. The God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is the sovereign above idolatry, and there's no one worthy of our praise and our worship except God Almighty. Amen? Amen? Sovereign God. Now, that's the sovereign above idolatry. That's the Lord. Let's talk about the sin of idolatry. Look at verse 9. How foolish are those who manufacture idols. If you've got to make something, it's not God. Amen? I mean, if you made it, it's not God. Don't be so foolish that you worship something that some person can make. Verse 9 goes on to say, these prized objects are really worthless. They're going to fail you. Any idol will over-promise and under-perform. Verse 9 goes on to say, the people who worship idols don't know this, so they're all put to shame. The idol's worthlessness will eventually be revealed, and you're going to be ashamed of worshiping that. Verse 10, but who but a fool would take his own God, an idol that cannot help him one bit, would make his own God? Again, if if you can make it, It can't be God. God is eternal. God was not created. That's why he's God. Psalm 90 verse 2 says, Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth, 
and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. From everlasting, eternity past, everlasting, eternity future, you are God. You are God. Sinful men and women create their own idols because they don't want a God they can't tell what to do. They don't want a God who will tell them what to do, and they don't want a God that they can't tell what to do. It's rooted in rebellious hearts. Most people refuse to worship the one true God. When Paul preached in Athens, I've stood right there where he preached on top of that hill. He was surrounded by a city that was the epicenter of idolatry in Greece and probably in the whole world. And he used them as an illustration, as a backdrop. He said in Acts 17, so Paul standing before the council addressed them as follows, men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way for as I was walking among, uh, along, I saw your many shrines and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about today. He is the God who made the world, everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands can't serve his needs for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need from one man God created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and when they should fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose, his purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man talking about Jesus, he whom he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about this later. That ended Paul's discussion with them. But some joined him and became believers. Among them were Dionysius, a member of the council, and a woman named Damaris and others with him. Paul pointed out to the Athenians that idolatry is a sin and they need to come to the true and living God. God is God and God is the only one who is God. Don't go to an idol, that's sinful. It is full of sin, flee from sinful idolatry. What are the two first commandments in the Ten Commandments about? Idolatry. I mean, right out of the gate. The first two of the Ten Commandments say this, you must not have any other God before me, God says. You must not make for yourself an idol. 
That's, that's number one. Don't have any other God but me. Then number two, you must not make for yourself any idol of any kind or any image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children, the entire families affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commandments. I'm a jealous God. Now you say, I don't like that. I heard Oprah Winfrey say one time, I don't like God saying he's a jealous God. I'm glad God says he's a jealous God. I'm glad God doesn't want us cheating on him with another God that is no God. I'm glad that my wife loves me with a love of that kind of jealousy. She doesn't want me with somebody else. She wants me with her. I want her with me. That's just normal, is it not? And that's the way God is with us. God has saved you. God has redeemed you. God has cleansed you. God has filled you. God doesn't want you with another God. He doesn't want you with any idol. He doesn't want you making money your idol. He doesn't want you making anything else your idol. He wants to be your God and your only God. That's what I'm talking about. Leviticus 19 verse 4, don't put your trust in idols. Don't make metal images of gods for yourself. I am the Lord your God. Isaiah 45 verse 20, what fools they are who carry around their wooden idols and pray to gods that cannot save. 1 Corinthians 10 14, so my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. And how did John the apostle end his first epistle, his first letter, 1 John 5 15, little children, read it with me. Guard yourselves from idols. Oh, beware, brethren. There are idols all around us. Success. A house in the right part of town that 40 years from now will be in the wrong part of town. <laughs> Can I have an amen in the house of God on that? Yeah. Some of y'all bought that house. Whoo! Moving on up. Yeah. And now, <laughs> different story. Don't make anything an idol. This world is passing away. Put all of your affection in Jesus Christ. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, we've seen the sovereign above idolatry, the sin of idolatry, Let's look finally at really what Isaiah showed up to talk about, and that is the senselessness of idolatry. I started to use the word stupidity, and Donna said, no. <laughs> so the senselessness of idolatry. But you all know what I really think, all right? Look at verse, <laughs> look at verse 12. Idolatry is senseless. He gives this vivid illustration. The blacksmith stands at his forge to make a sharp tool, pounding, shaping it with all his might. His work makes him hungry and weak. It makes him thirsty and 
faint. And then he talks about the woodcarver. The woodcarver makes a block of wood. Everybody say a block of wood. You're going to need to remember that. And draws a pattern on it. He works with a chisel and a plane, carves it into a human figure. He gives it human beauty and puts it in a little shrine. He cuts down cedars. That's a tree. He selects the cypress. That's a tree. And the oak. That's another tree. He plants the pine in the forest to be nourished by the rain. Then he uses part of the wood to make a fire. With it, he warms himself. Then he bakes his bread. Then, and then, as if to say, you're not going to believe what he does the last part of it. The same, same wood. Yes, it's true. He takes the rest of it and makes a God to worship. He makes an idol and bows down in front of it. Then he laughs at the wood carver again. He burns part of the tree to roast his meat he, and to keep himself warm. He says, ah, that fire feels good. Then he takes what's left and he makes a God, a carved idol. He falls down in front of it, worshiping and praying to it. Rescue me, he says, you are my God. Isaiah stated the obvious. Such, now, I can't help what he says, all right? That's why I wanted to use that word, but I got outvoted, all right? Such stupidity, such senselessness and ignorance. Their eyes are closed. They cannot see. Their minds are shut. They cannot think. The person who, would, who made the idol never stops to reflect. Why? It's just a block of wood. I burned half of it for heat. I used it to bake my bread and roast my meat. How can the rest of it be a God? Should I bow down to worship a piece of wood? The poor, deluded fool feeds on ashes. He trusts something that can't help him at all. Yet he cannot bring himself to ask, is this idol that I'm holding in my hand, a lie. Who's the father of lies? The devil. John 8, 44, you are of your father, Jesus said to the religious people of the day. He said, you're of the, your father, the devil. You want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature for he's a liar and the father of lies. Satan has sold you a bunch of goods. Some of you love things and you think, it's okay, it's all right. I, I really like this, I really like this. It's okay to like things as long as you use them and they don't use you. But when something starts to use your time and when something starts to pull you away from God, I just want to ask you, is that thing that you really love making you more like Jesus? Is that thing that you are wondering right now if it's an idol or not, is it making you more like Jesus? Now, let me say this to you. You may have a job 
and you may work with a lot of lost people, that's making you more like Jesus. Because when you're there, you say, you know what? They know I go to Bellevue Baptist Church and I'd better live it so that they don't think I'm a hypocrite. You see, that's, I'm not saying that everything's wrong. I'm saying though, that there are things in your life sometimes, and you know it's true. There are things in your life sometimes that you want to pamper that God wants to get out of your life. You know that's true. And so do I. Psalm 135, 15 says, the idols of the nations are merely things of silver and gold shaped by human hands. They have mouths but can't speak, eyes but can't hear, ears but can't, or eyes but can't see, ears but can't hear, mouths but they cannot breathe. And those who make idols are just like them, as are all who trust them. They're just like their idols. They have mouths, but they can't speak the truth. They have eyes, but they are spiritually blind. They can't see the truth. They have ears, but they're spiritually deaf. They refuse to listen to the truth. They no longer can perceive the voice of their conscience. I want to say this to you. God gave you a conscience for a reason. And some people, the Bible says, have sinned so much they have seared their conscience. Their conscience. They can no longer perceive the voice of God. Mouths, but they can't breathe. They're lifeless. They're dead. That's the senselessness of idolatry. In Exodus 32, Moses was receiving the Ten Commandments. And while he was doing that, the people below were getting tired of waiting on him. And the Bible says, they said to his brother Aaron, we don't want to wait anymore for this guy Moses. He may be dead. He's up there fasting and praying and receiving the Ten Commandments. For 40 days he's fasting. And they're down there saying, he must be dead. And they go to Aaron, his brother, and say, we want you to make us a God. Again, if you can make it, it's not a God, it's an idol. And so he said, bring me all your jewelry. And he put it all together and he made them a golden cap. And what they did was the next day they were out there and they were worshiping the calf. And then all of a sudden then they started committing immorality. Idolatry is spiritual adultery. And it's always followed almost always by immorality. Idolatry is almost always followed by immorality. When people start worshiping things, they do the wrong thing themselves in their relationships. All throughout the Bible. I'm talking about from Genesis to Revelation. When people engage. In the end of time, there are going to be people that engage in the most horrific idolatry, they're going to worship a man, the Antichrist. And they, you go read Revelation, and you'll see they commit every sexual sin there is because they worship a false god. And that's exactly what happened in Exodus 32. 
It's senseless. It makes no sense. Anything, when you start worshiping the world, you're in trouble. John said in 1 John 2, don't love the world nor the things in the world, all that's in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. Those are the three areas that Eve was tempted in and that Jesus was tempted in. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It's not from the Father, but it's from the world. The world's passing away and the lust thereof, but the one, say it with me, who does the will of God lives forever. Don't idolize people. They're going to get old and they're going to not be as sharp as they used to be. They're going to let you down. They're going to get weak. People cannot meet your need. God can. Don't worship money. There's a little word called inflation. It loses its value. It's not stable. It's not permanent. It's temporary. Don't worship money. Stop bowing down to worldly blocks of wood. Stop it. Don't do it. Don't cut down a tree and warm yourself with some of it and cook over it and then make something out of it that you worship. That's the senselessness of idolatry. One of the greatest stories in the Bible is about fleeing from idolatry. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, teenagers in Jerusalem, Babylonian armies came, broke down the wall, killed their parents, and took them off to Babylon. They were made into eunuchs, and they went to Babylonian schools, and their names were changed to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you can read about it in your own Bible in Daniel chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar built a 90-foot image of himself, golden image. He said, everybody bow down. And everybody bowed down except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How many of you think that was a little hard? Anybody? And there was one more that didn't bow down. Wherever Daniel was, he didn't bow down either, all right? And they were brought before Nebuchadnezzar. He said, maybe you didn't understand. They said, oh, no, we understood. But we cannot bow down before anybody and worship anybody or anything other than our God. And it made him so mad. He heated up the furnace, the fiery furnace, multiple times, so much so that the people that threw them in were burned to death. And they went in the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar went up to look down in that fire. And he couldn't believe his eyes. He grabbed his vice chairman or whatever, and he said, hey, I thought we threw three in the fire, but I see four. And the one that's besides those men, he looks like the son of God. You know what? He was the son of God. Jesus Christ was in the fire. When you don't bow down to the idols of this world, Jesus will show up and show off. Amen. We need to quit loving the world and love 
the one who created the world. Quit loving the things and love the one who gave us the things. Quit loving blocks of wood and worship the one who made the tree. Quit worshiping things and worship the one who made all things and will take everything and make it work for good in your life if you'll just seek first the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's thank the Lord that we don't have to live in idolatry. Let's all stand up. Amen. The insanity of idolatry. Oh God, help us not to worship things, not to worship people, not to worship anyone or anything except you. And if you agree with that prayer, say amen. amen. i tell you something else that's not very logical is why would you turn away from Jesus when he has done everything possible to give you salvation? Jesus Christ left heaven, came to this earth in a little womb there as a little bitty baby, was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, went to the cross, stretched himself out on that altar and gave his life for you. Bore your sins in his body so that you could become the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Stayed on that cross until he said, it is finished, paid in full. Paid in full.